Hi, guys. How's it going? Hi, Rob. Hi, Candice. How's it going? <laughs> going well. Um, welcome to the first episode of Tech Tick Tech Talk. Oh, I'm going to have a hard time saying that. A mouthful. Um, but yeah, welcome. This is our first episode. It's actually episode zero. We kind of wanted to have an intro episode before we dive really deep um, into our discussion. Um, but this is a podcast focused around having some really great conversations about technology, culture, uh, productivity, college stuff, uh, whatever we're interested in, we're going to be discussing. Um, so we wanted to do this episode to kind of let you guys know who we are, if you don't know, um, kind of see um, what we want to talk about and see where this podcast is going. Um, to know a little bit about ourselves personally, um, and then kind of give you a way to communicate with us, to give us feedback so we can tailor the show to whatever you like. Um, so let me get you started with Rob. Who are you? Yeah, thanks, Candice. Um, so as stated, my name is Rob. I'm a junior at RPI. If anybody's gone there. Um, <laughs> so I'm a computer science and IT major, um, and that definitely speaks to my interests. I've always been a huge tech reader. Um, especially with The Verge, that I'm definitely a big fan, um, as well as other sites like Mashable and um, really anybody. Um, so yeah, I just am a huge interest in tech and um, working in the tech industry. And yeah, I'm really excited to dig into more of, you know, past the specs and the first week. Like, what does it really mean to live with this technology? So to Candice. Uh, so hey guys, my name is Candice Poon. I'm a senior um, IT and marketing communication major at RPI, go engineers. Um, but I just finished a six-month co-op as a front-end uh, designer, uh, web designer uh, for J&J. Um, and then probably if you guys might have seen me on Twitter and stuff, if you follow me on Twitter or know my previous work, uh, I am the creator of the YouTube channel, The Macintosh One. Um, I started the channel in 2007, uh, right when I was starting high school, um, making videos around Apple and technology in general. Um, still have my YouTube channel up if you guys have never seen it before. Um, but I wanted this podcast to be a new medium to explore. Um, I love technology. Um, I love tweeting about stuff. I love talking about it. So I'm super excited about that. Um, but feel free to check out the videos. Uh, watch me go through high school and uh, grow up talking about tech. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, to quote Drake, we have uh, the rookie and the vet here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hopefully, I don't look back with the same embarrassment 10 years from now as I look back on some of my videos going back. They're totally the blunder years, the cringeworthy years. <laughs> okay. Um, so what we thought we would do was just kind of talk about some of our favorite tech. Um, and I'll start. I think mine's definitely not quite as interesting as Candace's. Um, but recently, I purchased a Dell monitor, um, the U2515H. Not to make myself a nerd like right off the bat. Um, and it's really changed my workflow. I love it. Going from a crappy $100 Acer monitor, um, nothing against Acer, but uh, bumping the quality of not only the display, but the stand and just like the management has really changed. Um, I actually moved from a traditional desktop PC, um, which I am trying to rebuild, but to just a, a MacBook and this monitor. And it's... Um, it's awesome. I have two ports, one for the display and one for all my USB cables. So that's mouse, keyboard, printer, um, Ethernet, everything all in one. So it really emulates the desktop for me. And just that bigger screen has changed my workflow, um, especially I spend a lot of my time programming. So being able to see multiple panes in Sublime Text. And How many windows like do you that. normally have up at once? How many do you windows? do like at least three or four? What's your limit on this screen? My limit? Oh, my God. Um, 
Actually, I have to say, I'm kind of embarrassed by this, but I used to use like two monitors more, like my laptop and the display, but mm-hmm. I've definitely migrated more towards one. And then in terms of the number of windows, I definitely try to go for the bare minimum. Um, so like one uh, instance of Chrome, one instance of Sublime Text, and then um, the terminal, just because I need it. And within those, like, you know, lots of tabs, lots of like panes and stuff. I yeah. try not to have like multiple windows floating around. I feel like it just helps me focus. And actually, now with Al Capitan, when I'm on my Mac, when I'm just on the laptop, I usually do the split screen view with like one terminal, one um, Sublime, and then I'll t- command arrow over. You command space over to the yeah. another another space, right? Yes. Thank you for saving me that command. <laughs> but that's definitely my workflow now. So um, I don't know. I see a lot of programmers like have like sub twenty Sublime. A million tabs. different windows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I've been trying to go for like only what I'm actually using. Um, so on your desktop right now, though, on your desk, do you keep your MacBook Pro lid shut? Because I know you have the Retina MacBook Pro, and then you just only focus on this one large screen, or do you have both screens open at the same time? Oh, man, you're going to, like, embarrass me and maybe see me come off as kind of um, – <laughs> I know with, like, newer batteries it's not such a concern, but I'm, like, crazily afraid of overcharging my MacBook. So, like, oh, as yeah, soon yeah. as that thing is green, I just plug it right out. And you can't actually have it plugged in with lid closed. And using the, the monitor, I've found out. Maybe that's just... Um, oh, the, really? Okay. I, in my experience, if somebody can say otherwise, please let me know because I would love to do that. But So I always have it open. Um, I usually just put like iTunes there, um, okay. which I don't so like. So you still do both, but <laughs> both screens. Um, yeah. I used to do that too. Um, like When I had a more uh, permanent desk setup, I had a, a big widescreen monitor um, and then my MacBook Pro. And I put it on one of those like stands. So I had a Griffin elevator stand. And I know some like, really nice ones um, mm-hmm. to elevate it. But yours is just sitting on your desk too, right? Side by side with the monitor? Yeah. They, I've thought about getting a stand, but um, for my uses, and like I'm always bringing the laptop with me. So it works just to put it down. It has like its own little spot and then just take it with me. Um, and then I have, you know, the two adapters for the charger. So it's usually stationed here. And then if I'm doing like some serious work, I'll bring it with me. Um, so that works for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you've kind of gone to like the next level of computing with your iPad. So um, I'm really eager to hear about that. Oh, yeah, sure. So my current favorite gadget right now, um, I'm not sure whether or not it's because it's my newest thing. I usually like fall hard for the thing that I bought most recently. I was obsessed for the longest time um, about people switching to the 6 Plus, And that's a whole other conversation because I have a 6S Plus now. Uh, but I bought an iPad Air 2 recently, uh, a week before Black Friday, because there was a good deal on Target. But yeah, so uh, do you use an iPad right now, Rob? Or do you have an iPad in your workflow? I mean, I wish. I'm jealous of you. Like, I would love to try more of that, um, you know, post-PC, quote-unquote, yeah. computing s- workflow. Um, but I would love to hear, like, how we, if, like, is it feasible? I've heard a lot of mixed things. It's, yeah, it's, I think if you even asked me a couple months ago um, where the iPad played in my workflow and how I used it, I would say really minimally. Um, at one point, it was just a glorified e-reader where I just got all my pocket articles. Mm. Um, and I had a mini beforehand, too. And I even realized when I was traveling, because I was traveling around Asia um, in the beginning of this year, um, I never brought it with me. I always just relied on my iPhone. So that kind of fell out of my rotation. And I didn't really actually see myself um, staying an iPad person. Um, I think with iOS 9 coming out and the recent discussions about the iPad Pro, um, kind of led me to go back to the iPad. And I think, yeah, the biggest part about, I think, the iPad is I finally have an iPad that's new enough to do, like, the multi-screen stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So you can have, like, two windows or two apps going at once. Um, you have picture-in-picture, picture, slide-over and stuff. Um, but this hardware is super fast. It's a definitely a major upgrade over my iPad Mini 2 in terms of just speed. And I think that's definitely changed the way I've used it. 
So um, as somebody who's like um, definitely has their hands in like development and did a development role, like mm-hmm. is it capable? I maybe not in terms of power necessarily. Yeah. But um, you run like a multi-window desktop yeah, workflow, I do. like me. Um, it's tricky because I know there's apps out there, um, like Coda and stuff, and there's a whole bunch of articles like from Federico, Federico Vitici on Mac Stories, and there's definitely people who've done all iPad setups. Um, the tricky thing is, I think it's definitely doable. I don't think it's optimal, and I guess I've used my iPad even more while I'm at home because I do all of my development at work on a computer using PHP Storm. Uh, but then when I come home, I don't really have to do development, so it's never been an issue. Um, I don't. I'm not sure if I can see myself doing it, but I can definitely see myself um, as I get older and go into a more full-time job, um, kind of leaving all that hardcore development with some type of Mac server, like home Mac server, as like my desktop computer, and then using my iPad for literally everything else but the development. Because I know that we're both in that that field where we have to do a lot of programming. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would love to try that out and it's like transition just like a smaller, more convenient device. Um, even though the MacBook's already so light, it's yeah. still like that. That this like I don't know, fascinates me. Maybe for no good reason. <laughs> no, it's definitely interesting, and it's like for the longest time too. I was like, trying to convince myself. So I have a 2012 MacBook Pro. I bought it right when I got into college, and it's actually the first generation of 15-inch Retina MacBook Pro. So it's still a really powerful machine. I'm using it right now to record the show, and it's kind of like the hub of my life, but it's getting heavy. It's 15 inches. Um, I'm not that tall, um, and my bags you know, get heavy with the computer, so I don't really like bringing it with me. I never bring it when I travel. So that's one issue. And then the second issue is the battery life. Um, I don't think the hardware, when it, they first released it, was really meant to run this retina display. So if I'm lucky on lowest settings and I'm killing processes, I can only get like three hours max out of the computer really? without needing a charge. Yeah, like I'm jealous of everyone who has a newer Mac. Um, and I have no reason to sell it because it's my only reason. The battery is the only real reason. And I've gotten replaced once already. So I think I was definitely looking for some type of p- more portable computing device aside from my iPhone. I think that's kind of where the iPad falls. Um that's fascinating. Like, Sorry. In terms of like writing, yeah. Like writing and like doing any type of content creation, I think it's definitely doable now. I think even a lot of like the markdown stuff, it's easier to write markdown. It might be even easier to focus on an iPad. Uh, I'm gonna explore it more running when I go back into school. Um, but yeah, the iPad, it's definitely have changed uh, with the new software and with new hardware. Mm, you know, like uh, having purchased the new MacBook, not the 15th or the 13th. Like probably my favorite feature is the battery life. Um, I've gone from carrying my charger every day to leaving it in my room for like um, the only time I think this year I've actually taken it with me was when I did a hackathon, which was 24 plus hours of work. Yeah. So I'm like blown away with, um, you know, they say 12 hours and it actually gets it. So you're like, that's your, like, what's your average battery life? Can you last a whole day, you know, in classes and stuff without needing the outlet? Uh, typically I think I can get like around 10, um, and that's definitely started to dwindle with time, which (laughs) already makes me cringe a little bit, but you know, as somebody who doesn't really have this battery life dilemma, um, at least not the same way you do, Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely interesting. Like I wouldn't foresee an iPad for that reason so much as kind of just like, um, an ex and like my curiosity and just exposition, I guess. Yeah, I think it, I think it's really based on the Mac that you have right now too, because I think I would definitely feel differently if I had a 13-inch MacBook Pro and if the battery lasted even just twice as long, you know, six hours, seven hours. Yeah, and when I had um, my Lenovo, like I would have definitely gone for something like that. What What was the battery life on your Lenovo? I know you were running. It wasn't the ThinkPad that 
the students at our school use, but it's a, yeah. it was a more modern one, right? Yeah, it was the X1 Carbon 2014, um, which I actually just sold. It's It was a great laptop, but the battery life was definitely more in the realm of like four to five. Mm -hmm. So this upgrade like over doubled my battery life, which was wow. awesome. I never knew that the MacBook Pros had that type of battery life. I knew the MacBook Airs could easily beat like 13 hours, but even the newest MacBook Pro. Yeah, and like, I what mean, are your like brightness settings and stuff too? Are you like conservative, conservative in any way, or are you like minning down the brightness? Not to, <laughs> so. I know when I was buying my Lenovo, like that was right around the time the Haswell refresh came out. Oh, so okay. because of that, I think was where we noticed like the biggest thing. Like that was when the MacBook Airs just got like ridiculous. Yeah, like eleven yeah. and twelve. Um, so I think that's most of it. My brightness is generally set pretty low. And okay. I have moved to Safari just for more battery life. I use Chrome now, like, just for development. So, have you seen any real increase in battery life? Because I know for me, I switched from Chrome to Safari, and that gave me at least an hour um, about a year ago when I switched. It was really noticeable. You know, to Google's credit, like, Chrome has gotten a lot better. I actually see Safari coming up in my battery thing now. And, like, when I use Chrome, oh, really? sometimes it doesn't because they've definitely, like – uh, what is the word? <laughs> They've definitely gotten like their hands, gotten their act together on battery life for OS X. Okay. It's a lot better than it used to be. And you notice it, you know, like if you open a bunch of tabs with the YouTube videos, for example, which is something I do all the time, they won't start playing automatically. Like little things like that, bro, they really make a difference. Um, I'm sure the RAM is still like ridiculous. I haven't looked, but it's, yeah. it is. Do you recommend that I switch back now? I've been a Safari user now for a year. And the main reason why I switched was because of battery hogging-ness but do you think it's good enough now where i can go back and not be annoyed or you think they're still i mean that's i mean you you know as well as i do like the, the dev tools in chrome are yeah the best i kind of like safari i like the syncing and like the continue the continuity with my iphone with ios too. yeah that's yeah. The, i guess that was the other big component like it's not the same not being able to set chrome as your default browser on ios like everything defaults in safari yeah so for that reason, I've stuck with Safari, but um, I still keep Chrome. I like have to use it basically just for work and stuff. And I don't mind Chrome. I like Chrome a lot. So, you know, I think it's definitely at this point, it's more personal preference, which is the way it should be. It shouldn't be based yeah. on like performance. If only like you can change default keyboards now in iOS. I would love to be able to set default uh, applications in iOS, like set Google Maps as my standard, set like Outlook as my mail standard and stuff like that too. I know. <laughs> I absolutely agree 100%. Like, I'm glad that they, like, I feel like them allowing third-party keyboards was definitely one step in the right direction. Like, I didn't, never expected it, you know, two years ago. So I'm hoping, like, with the newest, what is it, iOS 10, maybe something like that could happen. Yeah, that'd be awesome. crazy. I mean, the walls are getting lower, you know, in their little garden. I'm I'm really eager to see what happens. And having come from, like, Windows Phone and Android, which are definitely more open, it's not as hard as I thought it would be to go to, like, an all-Apple um, kind of workflow. Oh, really? Has there any real time where you've hit something like that, where you're just like, oh, I just wish they would let me do X, Y, and Z? Honestly, like, now that I can have my own keyboards um, and stuff, not really. I'm definitely still kind of in that honeymoon phase, I think it's safe to say, where it's like, mm -hmm. it's all new and exciting. So yeah. we will definitely have to see, but... Do, do you still use third-party keyboards? Because I was super excited about them. I downloaded every single one. Um, but they just, when I was using them right when it was at iOS 8 or iOS 9 came out, it was super buggy like they never showed up um or they're super slow you still use one no <laughs> i had swift key i was a big swift key fan on android and i switched over i even bought the nice black theme um oh, yeah okay. i know <laughs> highly invested at one at 99 cents but you're right it's just like it doesn't show up when you need it and you always end up defaulting the ios one anyways 
Um, and now that I have a 6S, like, that force touch to move the cursor is actually, like, super convenient. I love Oh, that. yeah. So I have not – I have stuck with iOS keyboard. And plus, they don't get the emoji updates as fast, which, you know, 2015, mm-hmm. like, you need that. You need that. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, it was only, like, last month that Android got the taco emoji and, like, the newest set of, like, Unicode standards and stuff. So yeah. I just, like, can't wait for those. I need it as soon as they get approved. Yeah. So uh, it's become so ubiquitous. Th- Oh, sorry. But uh, speaking about keyboards, too, with my iPad, um, I think the other big part about you, me using my iPad is um, using it with an external keyboard. Um, and so, like, in iOS 9, they've made a big, not big changes, but there has been some little small tweaks to make the keyboard a little bit easier to use. So you can do, like, Command-Tab, like in Mac OS 10 to switch between apps. Um, you can use the Enter key when you're sending messages in iMessage, which was, like, a big annoyance. Um, and I think... I think adding a keyboard to it has really changed my perspective where it's like a super flexible tablet computer, kind of like what people see with the Microsoft service. Um, the keyboard I'm using also, ironically, is a Microsoft keyboard. I bought it about two or three weeks ago uh, based on a couple of people's recommendations. So it's like tested. Um, and also I think The Verge recommended the keyboard, but it's the Microsoft Universal Tablet Keyboard. Um, I'll include a link in the show notes. Um, but the reason why I like it is kind of like it's universal in the sense where it's not a case or anything. So if there's ever a new tablet or if I ever switch to something else, I'm not stuck and have to buy something new. It's um, it's like a keyboard and then a cover and then the cover doubles as a stand. So I just stick my iPad in there. Um, it types really well, um, has good size keys, um, and it was pretty affordable. It was under, I think, $50 for it. And it, I always bring it with me now when I have my iPad because it's nice to like go to like Panera or something. Uh, set up my little iPad, um, and then when I need to shut the keyboard and then just use my iPad as an iPad. Uh, but those two pair together have really made the iPad my favorite thing right now. So, and this is a post I put on um, our app a little bit ago. You, you've seen Windows 10, right? Mm-hmm. And how they're integrating um, mobile, desktop, tablets, all one continuous experience. Um, yeah. And I think it's fair to say they've had mixed successes with that. I think Windows 10 as a desktop platform is pretty good. Mobile is... Just getting started to be fair but um interesting um and apple has publicly said they were not going to do the same strategy where it's one consistent operating system which right now i think definitely makes the most sense mm-hmm. but moving forward do you feel like microsoft has a more forward-facing strategy where one day it would all be one continuous experience yeah. or do you think the so methods you have now the inputs um using os x and ios is that like a workflow that works for you? I know they're very connected. Um, and yeah. I don't have as much experience. I don't have an iPad, but um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think in the end, a lot of the major com- companies that we rely on for computing devices, I think they all have the same grand vision. Like that's like 20 years down the line, they sell this grand vision where you're completely engrossed in their ecosystem and everything is interconnected. And I think truthfully, like, I think all most companies want some type of one unifying piece of software or operating system because it's easier for development and it plays into this idea of like unification of everything. Um, so I think they have the same vision. I think they're just tackling it from the two opposite ends of the direction. So like Microsoft is coming at from the side where they're taking desktop software and then they're trying to force it and mobilize it. Um, and that's where you see you know like these hybrids that you know the Dell computers that like twist around and bend over and you know, like things that like do yoga. Um, <laughs> and then you have Apple coming it from a completely different side where they're trying to take a mobile operating system, um, empower it. So it's a little bit more powerful that you can use it as a desktop replacement. Um, I don't know right now. I like, I'm, I don't want to sound like an Apple fangirl, And I think this opinion comes from just 
the, ex- the minor experiences I've had with Windows, like in a Microsoft store. But I think the way Microsoft is doing it, there's just too many compromises. There's too many compromised ideas in their vision. Um, I, I don't want to use a touchscreen with desktop Windows. It just it doesn't seem great. Like a lot of the apps aren't uh, optimized in that way. And I think Apple is taking the more long term uh, where there might not be any apps that are built yet. But I think having developers really focus that time and attention in crafting something that was made for that, that piece of hardware, um, I think is a better solution. It's, it might be more inconvenient for a longer period of time. Um, and I always have visions of wanting to switch to a Surface and just being like, screw it. I don't want to wait for all these apps. But every time I use it, it just feels so compromised as a device. Like they don't really know what to be. But what's your opinion? Because I know you've used Windows and you've part, been part of that whole ecosystem. So what's your stance? I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I don't think that's a fanboy opinion. Like, objectively, Apple has a much better strategy for mobile, TV, um, desktop, you know, siloed away individually. Like, in this point in time, it is a much better strategy just in and of itself. Um, not to say there it's necessarily better software, but it's definitely much more targeted and without compromise. Um, and, yeah, I for those listening, I used to have a Windows phone. I was a huge Windows fan. And still am. I really think you're the only guy awesome. I knew who had a Windows <laughs> phone for the longest time, and I was like super confused about it because we talked about a lot of other stuff earlier on. Um, yeah, and it's it's weird now, especially now seeing someone with a Windows phone. Yeah, and this could be a whole other episode. I mean, I still turn on my HTC 8X from time to time, and I really love that phone. That was a great phone. But um, <laughs> as most people probably know, Windows Phone 8 was or is kind of dead. Um, well, is dead now. I don't know. I think there's a lot of know, software companies that are not making like they stopped making apps for Windows Phone. Like they announced it, right? Um, yeah. I like they actually the took away the apps, so now it's like there is no Starbucks app when there was one. I think Starbucks, but and other for companies. For the longest time, right, there was away. no Instagram, and then for the longest time, there was also no Snapchat. You had to use like a third-party Snapchat. Client, there's still right? no Snapchat. I like. I just can't like. As long as it's beautiful and stuff, that's great. But if I, it doesn't have core apps. Not just saying well-made apps because there's a difference. And I think that's my biggest issue between Android and iPhone right now. Is that there's no solution and you're missing out on a social experience. It's not even worth my time at this point. And going back to that, you know, Windows Phone Seven. Um, I'm not sure if you were familiar, but it was so so simple and so different. Like they were the first ones where you didn't have that status bar at the top. I think they were still the first ones because everybody has that now. Mm-hmm. It, it was so much simplicity was um, just first and foremost in the operating system. The design was so great. The design new. was gorgeous. Like the tile design and like it was called Metro for a while, right? Yeah. And then it was like. <laughs> Formerly known as Metro. Um, and yeah, I think they really, when going to Windows 8, I think they made a lot of really interesting choices. But especially the jump to Windows Phone 8.1, mm-hmm. it was very clear they were trying to play catch up and not trying to go their own direction. And I think that, in my opinion, was the biggest um, mistake they made because they had a really unique platform, but they tried to converge it. They brought a notification center, which was nice, but not necessarily needed in the same way that um, other features were. And they could have tried to push out their vision in other more interesting ways mm-hmm. and innovate really. And I think that's what people bought into Windows Phone 7. It wasn't because it was better than the iPhone. I don't think it ever was. It was people just bought different. It because it was different. It yeah, was and that's definitely a vision I subscribe to. And I think like Windows Phone 7 on, <laughs> or the Lumia 920 when it came out, when Windows Phone 8 came out, like that was like the prime. The app situation wasn't even that bad. And it was really just a beautiful device. Um, so if it's it kind of a shame. If it came out just a little bit earlier, if it came out 
even a couple months after what like the iphone or the original g1 like android g1 right it'd be breathtaking um, i know they they were ahead at one point <laughs> yeah with like the windows original windows mobile right like um this concept of actually putting windows on a, like a cell phone or something or a smartphone i remember seeing those things like they're like palm pilot alternatives or like palm trio alternatives and it seemed so cool to be able to run windows on a little device you could keep um in your pocket definitely and i think it'd be great for just you know the whole system of smartphones if they would get more competitive in that so we'd have more different ideas than this relatively similar paradigm we see between ios and android there's a lot more convergence convergence now like there's always like watching subject trying to watch it objectively um keynotes and stuff and you see android take a feature and it's the same motion or the same paradigm and then you watch ios and then you have this bickering between the parties and stuff but like in the end there's only a certain amount of ways people design stuff and people i think design the same way but i think you're right where windows phone was so different in the way they thought about how people use the phone Mm. um it's sad to say but yeah like even now hearing reviews about the flagships that have come out recently like I have no desire to switch or even try it. I don't. I like switching to Android every month or every year for a month, but no interest at this point with Windows Phone. Yeah, even with the continu- uh, continu- continuity desktop mode, um, it's it's just not, you know, Android and iOS are just so far ahead of it right now. Um, mm-hmm. I see their strategy, get all the apps for the desktop and then bring them over, but they definitely have some work to do. Yeah. So on to our second part. Candice, I know you've been experimenting a lot with like your media server and kind of workflow there. Could you talk a little bit about that? I know you've been using Infuse. Yeah, sure. Um, so currently my favorite piece of software, the one I've been kind of like shouting off the rooftops about, um, is an app called Infuse Media Player. Um, I found it, I found the app on my iPhone and iPad about six months ago when I was traveling around Asia. Uh, my iPhone didn't have enough storage for a lot of videos, so I bought one of those um, little like pocket routers where you could put an SD card in and play media. Uh, but the one that comes default um, by the manufacturer is super ugly. So I was trying to find something that could connect to it um, through like the wireless standard. And I found Infuse. So Infuse is just a media player app. It plays all types of formats like MP4, MKV, um, AVI, anything that you really throw at it. It's kind of like the VLC. But it's super pretty. And I think the big part is it actually captures the metadata for your um, content. So even if it's like not titled perfectly or if you don't have it where it has like the cover art for a movie, it'll go out and download it and store it for caching. Um, so it's super pretty. It's super functional. Um, I just love the app. Um, and so recently they come out with an app for the Apple TV, which I'm super excited about because previously I was using Plex and I know Plex is super popular. Um, I know Rob hasn't, you haven't had that much experience with it, right? But you know Plex and everything, how it works. Yeah, yeah, I get the general idea. So you, the main thing is you need a media server to act, uh, to process the files so it's playable on your devices. And I think that was the biggest hurdle for me, um, being a laptop user. And also, pretty much for the last year, I've been kind of like living at least two different locations. Like now, right now, I was living in an apartment uh, while I was working during the week, and then I was living at my parents' house during the weekend. Um, I don't always have a desktop on that's ready to transcode, and sometimes you're just lazy where you don't want to open the lid of your laptop to turn it on. So the cool thing about Infuse is instead of having your computer transcode it, things like your iPhone and now your Apple TV are powerful enough to do the transcoding on the device. So I have it now where it connects to my uh, Western Digital NAS, my network attached storage, which holds all of my media, um, all of my movies and TV shows and stuff. 
Um, it adds all the metadata, so it gives it episode numbers, the titles, the actors and actresses, um, and plays it directly from um, my storage without needing a computer. So it's been super seamless. Um, it's really beautiful because I think it's been easy to design really nice apps for the Apple TV. I think Apple provided a lot of tools for developers. Um, but I, I just love it. It's sitting down in my living room and just going through all my movies with all the cover art. It's like, so satisfying. So my thoughts on that, um, you know, having not used it, so take this with a grain of salt, but um, I think that's a great solution. And like, that is something I was definitely craving. I know I hate it when my stuff doesn't have the correct metadata. (laughs) Definitely a first world problem. Um, But, you know, in this world, everything's going to the cloud. Like, do you see Infuse lasting into even like 2017, where, you know, music already is like, you don't keep really a local collection anymore. Um, And more and more people are moving away from that model. And yeah. I think media, just in general, is definitely moving that direction. Um, I think it's definitely foreseeable, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's like it's so expensive. There's no a la carte iTunes music movie option right now. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think this is just currently my solution for not being able to stream anything I really want on Netflix. Um, you know, because it's frustrating, right? Like the one time your friends come over and you're in the mood to watch something and you think it's on Amazon Video or there's so many fragmented services and you have to like search and a lot of companies are running. That's a whole other episode in itself, right? Um, yeah, but I think this is currently a temporary solution. But I think I think the app will last because Plex has gotten so popular and so many people like having control over their media and having it locally. Um, I don't think it's a problem, but I definitely see myself one day just not even dealing with this because I'm totally all in for whatever is cloud, right? I'm subscribed to Apple Music. I do Google Photos and stuff like that too. I think right now it's just a solution to having the problem where not everything is online or streamable. That's true. I think the biggest hurdle is definitely the uh, the way the, co- the law is written with that stuff. So <laughs> I definitely agree. It may not be an end-all solution, but right now it is the solution. Yeah, and uh, if anyone's never tried it, like if you have an iPhone or iPad um, or an Apple TV, it's a f- there's a free version and there's a premium option. Just try the free one. I've been able to get away with using the free one, but I definitely recommend the company's super responsive on Twitter and stuff too. Um, but I'm in love with it. I got rid of Plex, which is just a crazy thought six months ago. Wow. Yeah, I'm definitely going to download that after hearing your thoughts on it. That's awesome. Just the metadata downloading. It's like so pretty. It's like the most, it's like you roll your own version of Netflix with all of your movies and stuff. It's so satisfying. Oh my God. I love metadata. (laughs) All right, Rob. So what is your current favorite software or piece of software? Yeah. So I'm definitely not as a bleeding edge as Candice right here, but I just updated pocket to version 6.11, I think. Um, And I love the recommendations. I follow a lot of editors from different magazines and having them all like, you know, kind of see like behind closed doors, what do they read, what inspires them, I think is really cool. Um, I found a lot of cool pieces recommended by Joshua Topolsky that I've been really enjoying. Um, And I've been trying a couple different readers. I tried doing my reading list on Safari. I did a little Feedly at one time. Um, What's that other one? Uh, uh, Read it later, readability. Is it readability? It's the one with the red, red icon, the red couch. I've tried Instapaper. That's the oh, that's yeah, okay. what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's so I've been, I've been around those few Instapaper, um, reading list, Pocket, mm-hmm. and some cross-platform ones in addition to that Feedly. But I keep going back to Pocket just because it's so simple. It looks pretty. The reader view I personally enjoy better than Instapaper. Do you use the standard view too? Do you just do like white and black, or black on white text, or uh, yeah, black text, or do you Actually, change it? I love the black on white because then I can read in bed and like I don't feel so bad about killing my eyes. Yeah. Yeah, but 
Um, also, I don't know, it's just something about like I already have such a backlog of pocket articles. It kind of feels like weird to transition over. It's like I'm leaving all this good stuff. And I know you recently audited your pocket, so I'd be yeah, like that. I have the complete opposite feeling. Like, do you ever like just feel overwhelmed by like if you're scrolling through your pocket list that you have so much stuff? Like it's just an unending list. Yeah, no, definitely. I I definitely do feel that. Yeah, for me, it's like pocket. I, I was using pocket for a really long time because I um. I switched over to Pocket from Reading List on iOS. And then I, like, plugged in IFTTT. And then, like, every little link or every stupid link I like, I would send it to Pocket. And then I, w- I wouldn't know what to do with it once it got into my Pocket. And I kept losing the opportunity to read something really worth reading because I was so overwhelmed. Um, so I actually kind of just declared Pocket bankruptcy. Um, I kind of just left it behind, deleted it off my phone, kind of deleted it from my memory. And I just started completely fresh uh, with Instapaper. And I... I've really been enjoying Instapaper. I think maybe I've, I just like it because it's new again. But I think especially with long-form articles, the typography is beautiful, and it allows me to, like, re-engage with, like, really good long-form journalism. But what are your thoughts on Instapaper? Was there anything reason that made you switch from Instapaper? I guess, you know, my workflow is definitely very different with you than art with articles. Um, I kind of – so I have my pocket for things I want to read later, and then, like, my best of the best – I put in my Evernote actually. I have like a reading journal with like little comments on like why I liked each piece. So oh, I have like cool, cool. Um, a backlog is in pocket and then it goes into that. I mean, honestly, in this paper, there was nothing wrong with it per se. I think it was just I was already so invested in pocket. I have a little tagging system built out. And, um, you know, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, I feel like in paper and pocket are very similar. In this paper does have beautiful typography though. I definitely have to give it that. Mm-hmm. So um, for me, also, like, I have some of the cross platform stuff, I think on android pocket is a little bit better i can um, imagine what it's like a pretty, it's a bigger company building it out right definitely and it just seems very built into a lot of technologies i think it's pretty cool it's built into firefox i know some people hate that oh it's built into firefox i didn't know that how, yeah it's the new re- button yeah yeah so you know how safari has read it later chrome surprisingly still doesn't have anything but pocket is built into firefox it's like the way to save things for later Oh, okay. So some people hate that. I think it's cool. I don't use Firefox, but I do think it's kind of cool. I think it's a better solution than Read It Later, which is in the... I wish like they had an app for that. I know it's kind of a lot yeah. unnecessary, but like just kind of take it out and um, separate it. Yeah, I only use the the reading list if I'm like, if I know I'm going to read the article then and there, and I just mm-hmm. want to cut out the cross, but I never save it to the list. Because yeah, I don't like that feeling of not being able to access it anywhere else. I like it where I know it's everywhere all the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Having that view. Um, so, I mean, there's really not a good reason, I guess, went back to pocket objectively over Instapaper, but um, it works for me. I like the color scheme, and actually, probably the recommendations, when I read about that, I thought it was so cool. And I like yeah, recommendations. Tell me more articles. about how, so how does recommendations work? Because I've actually never tried it. I heard about it as a new feature, but I thought, once well, I thought it was like another thing to add more clutter. Um, but how does it work? So they were pretty smart about it. I was kind of worried of the same thing. I follow a bunch of people, but it's relocated to its own tab, and things recommended don't become added to yours. There's actually so there's two recommendation things. Actually, there's really not one. Um, they have popular articles, so you can kind of browse like the best of the best by all the pocket readers, like what's getting the most stars, what are people saving the most, and then also recommendations by people you follow. So um, some of those Verge editors, like I was saying, some Mashable people, they'll star stuff and you can actually write a little recommendation like this is why this is great and oh, really? then cool. you'll go to that tab and you can just save it right there uh, if you want you know if it looks dumb then don't bother i think you can mm-hmm. also do, like little previews and stuff and then you also have your best of the best so you can kind of between those two get a lot of really good good quality internet. like internet articles directly yeah. delivered to your reader right definitely and i, I thought that was awesome 
I, I like now I want to try it again because I've recently really enjoyed um, like reading a lot more medium and stuff. And I sometimes I just mindlessly go through like the feed of where people have really recommended medium articles. Cause, like once you read one article, right, you're like hungry for another one. Oh, medium is awesome. I love medium. Yeah. That's a whole nother like and whole nother app, too, that I just love reading sometimes. Um, yeah, it makes me want to write, too. But that app is, is just really pretty and I like it a lot. It is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Okay. Um, well, thank you very much for everybody who listened. If you have any feedback for us, please let us know. This is our first run, and we'd absolutely love to. We definitely want to grow from this and become a great service, become a great prod podcast that you listen to in your daily workflow. Um, so please subscribe. Give us five stars. If you didn't like us, give us less stars, and please give us some feedback. Um, coming up, we're going to do some great podcasts on our iPhone thoughts. Um, what will be six months now after the success? How is that going? Our journey through Android and thoughts on that. And so our workflow, task management, and things of that nature. Uh, if you want to reach us on Twitter, use the hashtag TicTechTalk. And I'm Russo underscore Rob. And Candace is at Candace Poon. Anything else, Candace? Uh, nope. That's pretty much it, guys. We would really love to hear feedback um, because we really want to make the show better and uh, more appealing for you guys. So definitely let us know through Twitter because that's the easiest way to get to us. Okay. Well, bye. All right. Bye, guys.